Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us at bleedcubbyblue.com. And we blast every episode and related content from our Twitter at Cup of Cubby Blue, where we're currently celebrating the ridiculous first place Chicago Cubs who have an 800 winning percentage my name is sarah sanchez and i write about the cubs at bleed cubby blue how's it going andy hi guys andy cruz vanasek i have to say i feel a bit spoiled right now because we just wanted baseball like that's all we wanted we didn't even (laughs) ask for a 12 and 3 chicago cubs team like we just wanted baseball and here we have the team that we're rooting for that we're fans of 12 and three at the start of this very strange season. I am doing extremely well. I have to say. Uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, the complaint department is closed, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Like no complaining people. You are not allowed to complain today. I, I mean, I guess we can complain about the bullpen a tiny bit if we want to, but this team has been on fire. They are so good. I wrote a piece earlier this week about the starting pitchers. Um, and it was kind of funny because they're basic. We're at the quarter season mark. Like 15 games have been played. There's only 60 games scheduled. This is it. Like we're at the quarter season mark. And the Cubs starting pitchers have just been so beyond good. If you told me coming into this that the Cubs were going to lose Jose Quintana and have one of the top three rotations in baseball, I would have thought you were lying. And yet here we are. Uh, yeah, for sure. And it's funny because, you know, we say that we're 12 and three, but my husband keeps saying, well, you guys should be 15 and three because there's no way that you would have beat our, or there's no way you would have lost to the St. Louis Cardinals B side. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny to look at it that way because I do think with our rotation and the way that it's been going, and I don't want to say been dominant, it has been dominant, but not in like the sense of the word dominant, like kind of quietly dominant. Um I, I do think that the Cardinals would have had a hard time beating us. And, you know, it, it, it's very likely that we could be 15 and two right now, 15 and three right now, but we'll just, we'll just celebrate the 12 and three and keep moving forward because I just think right now this team is rolling in just about every aspect of the game. You mentioned the bullpen. I mean, Jeremy Jeffress has been such a highlight and somebody that I am so excited that he's a Chicago cub. If you follow me on Twitter, you already know this and you're probably tired of it. I'm just letting you know, it's not going anywhere. Um, yeah, I, I mean this, they get, they've given us a lot to be excited about. Like I said, I feel extremely spoiled right now and I am not taking anything for granted at this point in time. Uh, yeah, I was just waiting for you to bring up Jeremy Jeffress. Andy, do you have a jersey yet? Like, I feel like you need a jersey. Listen, I get the chills right now just thinking about him on the mound last night when he had that strikeout, which right now, like, seems very, you know, it's like, oh, whatever. It was a strikeout in the late innings, da 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 But the way that our bullpen has shaped up and the way that he's come in and just kind of been, like, the steady hand the entire way thus far and he does this little kickoff when he's on the mound I seriously get the chills like even just saying that right there I get the chills <laughs> it's so nice and refreshing to have somebody out of our bullpen have that swag and that flair again and that confidence and it's 
uh, listen, I, I'm not even going to do a jersey of this dude. I'm going to do a full-on jersey. I don't even care if maybe we only have him this season. I do not care. Like, if they don't bring this guy back and they're not learning from Nicholas Castellanos, that's them. That's on them. Like, I can't even help you anymore. <laughs> I can't even help you, like, open your eyes. Because this dude wants to be here. He's playing great baseball. He's throwing the ball well. He's coming out as a leader in the bullpen. Like, make him a cub. Let me get my jersey. Let's just do this. Love it. Um, all, yeah, Nicholas Castellano is still ranking, in case you haven't been watching the Reds frequently. Uh, let's start with the games in Cleveland. Although, after that, I do want to get back to what you were saying about the Cardinals, because I think we need to talk about, like, what is going on here. The Cardinals have not, haven't played in, like, two weeks now, going on two weeks, and that has schedule implications and playoff implications that we definitely need to dive into. But before we do that, let's talk about these two games in Cleveland. It feels like the Cubs just picked up right where they left off in Cleveland. They like were 2016. The magic was there. Uh, this team looked unbeatable in these two games in Cleveland, and I was here for it. I mean, definitely, we we definitely overmatched Cleveland. There's no doubt about that. You know, I read quite a few tweets from folks that were saying this is a garbage Cleveland lineup, which um, I wouldn't say it's garbage. There's definitely some some hot spots in that lineup that can give you trouble if you let them. But I mean, the fact that Cleveland scored three runs in two games against us and with the, the shape that the bullpen had been kind of taking on, I mean, that's the, these are good signs. You know, I mean, I am very much encouraged by what our rotation has looked like and definitely having that mini all-star break. Um, you know, it was nice to watch them come back out and just be dominant again in pretty much every aspect that they were killing before that break where, you know, the situational hitting defense, um, I mean, all of it, it was just, it was very impressive. These two games, it was, um, I kind of feel like it was, it was a statement, you know, because, um, I think people kind of thought them thought that they would cool off after having a couple days off and, and not really, you know, playing any games. I know they had an interleague scrimmage of some sort on Sunday. Um, but I think people assume that they would cool off. And I really look at this series as a statement series. They scored 14 runs in two games. Their offense was clicking. You know, you saw somebody like Jason Hayward putting up really good numbers over these two games. And that is encouraging. It's always good to see his bat do well. I just, I, I really like this series as a kind of a, you know, a, a catapult into Milwaukee and, and definitely playing against Milwaukee and Chicago into the Milwaukee series um, and, and giving us that momentum to, to maybe take all four games from a team that has not been playing very well. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, let's talk a little bit about, well, like, first off, the Cleveland lineup maybe isn't what they were a couple of years ago, but they're pretty solid. Like, Francisco Lindor is still the best shortstop in the game, in my opinion. Uh, and in fact, in Javi Baez's opinion, too, he had a tweet or an Instagram comment or something that was like, Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in the game, but I'm El Mago. And I thought that was so great from Javi Baez. I was just like, that is on point, And I love Javi for all of that. They're good friends. They, play, they grew up playing baseball together in Puerto Rico. So I love that they have that little friendly rivalry going on. Um, Jose Ramirez is a tank he's just awesome and you saw it he was getting his extra base hits and everything but the Cubs are clicking on all cylinders they're doing everything that you want them to do the defense has been outstanding the starting pitching has been wonderful like John Lester is out there throwing like a man who understands that this is 
the this is close to the end and he is going to make it happen. He's been he added a changeup that he didn't used to throw nearly as often and he's kind of doing his own little Kyle Hendricks routine out there. He's not getting the swing and miss he used to get on his cutter, but it doesn't matter cuz all he's doing is inducing weak contact and that's a great way to win a lot of games. So props to John Lester for adapting and just getting it done. Yeah, for sure. I was going to mention the the weak contact too because that has become the, become a very um, solid backbone to this rotation. And there is nothing wrong with that. As long as you have a, a, a solid defense behind you, because obviously you want to know that you're getting these outs. And honestly, this defense has showed up this year. Um, it, I've been very impressed with what I've seen, you know, being that defense was kind of a weak spot for the Cubs in, in seasons past. And, you know, they look good. They look really good. You've seen Rizzo make some unbelievable picks at first already, which, um, you know, that's just, a day in the life of he does that anyways, but those, those are not easy and he makes them look extremely easy. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just thrilled about the, the, the production that we're getting from the offense from one through nine. And, you know, you look at, I always like to look at MLB's like main webpage to see the kind of stories that they're running and to see who's getting the attention, which, you know, you get a lot of the obvious, you get a lot of Houston, a lot of Yankees, yada, yada, but the Cubs have been on their page, their main page talking offensively for, I would say solidly the past five or six days. And, you know, they're not flying under the radar. They have a huge X on their back right now and people are coming for them and, I honestly am not even concerned to be quite honest. Be I guess it probably makes it better that we're playing all central foes being American League or National League and and nobody just looks really good right now other than the Twins which we have not seen yet, but I mean, I feel really good about this team and where they're at and um you know, I don't know if it's David Ross. I will give him a ton of credit. I don't know if it's all just him. I don't know if that's the change that this team needed, but wow, is he making a heck of a first impression? And I use the word heck instead of hell on purpose <laughs> because and I know we'll get to this, but he used some very polite language last night when he came out of the dugout for his first umpire argument. And it was just, it was very entertaining to me. And I was like, this guy is so like, he's so well thought out and so on top of his surroundings. Like he has to be one of the main reasons why Everything is just so loose and fun right now. And honestly, that is that is a good jump off point from where good play comes from. And I, I just, I, I love him at the helm of this team. I love the way the team looks right now. Like I said, I am taking nothing for granted. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's talk about David Ross and that argument for a second. Like, first of all, props to David Ross. Pulled the mask up, stayed socially distant, was very calm in like a socially distant moment that was definitely a little bit tense, but he shouldn't have needed to be out there in the first place. Wilson Contreras got ejected for nothing. He did nothing. He checked his swing. Tim Timmons made the call without appealing to first. And you saw Wilson kind of look at Tim Timmons behind the plate, like, are you going to appeal that? And Timmons obviously said no. And so he kind of just tilted his head, walked away, and then slammed his bat down, which you see, I don't know, half a dozen times a game, player frustrated, slams bat down, tosses it, like, Walking away, not arguing, not being in his face, nothing, and was ejected. I actually looked at the video again, and I think Wilson was ejected before he slammed his bat down. And I don't even think he knew he was ejected at that point. Because you you see Timmons' hand move to throw him out as Wilson is just walking back to the dugout. And that is, well, that is utter nonsense. I mean, I wrote about it last night. It reminded me 
of a lot of things that have happened um, during my life that were just pretty unfair where I've been asked to hold myself to a higher standard and just keep my head down and not let my temper flare as people were behaving badly. But frankly, like Tim Timmons was behaving badly in that moment. I cannot believe he ejected Wilson Contreras over literally nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen far worse things happen and, and it just get overlooked. And, you know, I, the only thing I can think of, and I, I don't know because obviously I've never umpired a major league game where Wilson Contreras is the catcher, but I feel like he's so maybe over the top, nice and like kind and respectful that it gets under people's skin. Do you know that type like where mm-hmm. like people are just bothered by like over the top, polite, nice people. And I feel like Wilson is kind of one of those people um, especially behind the plate and especially to the umpire, because obviously, you know, you want to have respect. You want to have some sort of a repertoire with the umpires, because as a catcher, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to believe that this is true, but it absolutely makes a difference on how games are called treatment of players and everything else. So you think about him behind the plate and him being uber respectful and super over the top, nice and everything else. And, you know, some people are just like that where it gets under their skin and you have to wonder, you know, what it is that got under Tim Timmons' skin for him to eject him so quickly. I mean, that leash was so short for Wilson Contreras. And you know he's not back there talking crap to the umpire. Like, I could understand if that were the case. This was a game that was very much in the favor of the Cubs. Like, there, he would have no reason to be back there bad-mouthing, disrespecting, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, this was just – I was shocked, honestly. I was like, that did not just happen. Like, is he serious? And I always say, because, it, you know, you, you talk about pace of game and and how you like to see things keep moving along in the game, and you don't like to see coach managers and coaches and everything else argue and fight for an extended amount of time, because what is it really going to do? Is an umpire going to go back and change their mind and say, oh, you're right, you're arguing, so yes, <laughs> right. you're right, he, he's safe. But in this case, I was like, if I'm David Ross, I'm staying out there until you put him back in, until you let him back in the game, because that was just wrong. And there was no reason for it. And, you know, I would like for umpires, and I know you and I have talked about this at length in, in previous conversations regarding much bigger deals than this, but I would like for umpires to be accountable and have to sit down at a mic at the end of the game and talk about why they did what. And this would have to be one of those things where he would have to justify it. And if if he couldn't justify it, he would need to say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Because here's the thing. If our record is not 12-3 and three at this point, if something happens in that game where Wilson Contreras could come into play and we lose the division by a game, you look back at things like that and you're like, dude, this is a short season. We need our best players on the field at all times in Wilson's mind, he was not doing something that he felt he would be ejected for. You know, he does, he has shown a temper before in the past. He has done things that shows us he is very, um, I don't know what the right word. I don't want to say he's not intense. high strong, but he's, he's intense. yes, he's intense. Thank you. Intense. That's a perfect word. He has done things before to show us that, but never directed at anybody. Like he's never, you know, yeah, he's gotten mad at umpire before here and there on pitch calls, whatever. But he knows that he knows that his team needs him. And this is a season where we need our best players on the field at all times. Like it's just unfair for umpires to be so quick to do things like this when it could ultimately affect the outcome of the game, the season, the division, playoffs, whatever. 
and, and it needs to be called attention to. I mean, people need to take notice to that, that, that this is happening and it needs to stop because it's not the umpire show. It is a 60 game major league baseball season. Like we have to take every moment serious. Yeah, I saw a few different explanations on Twitter last night and in some comments on the piece that I wrote today um, about it. You know, all of these explanations are sort of nonsense to me. One of them was like, oh, he slammed his bat down. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure he was ejected before he slammed his bat down. And players slam their bat down in frustration all the time. That's not something you eject somebody for while they're walking away. So I don't understand why that would lead to an ejection. Um there was speculation that he must have said something. I, He's walking away. It doesn't look like he said anything that was, you know, super problematic. Maybe our friend John Boy is on that. <laughs> he can, like, tell us what was said because it just didn't look like that um, big of an altercation to me. And then the explanation that I thought was maybe the most credible, but also, like, this, if, if this is what happened, this is still so wrong on Timmons' part that he should he should have to say why he did it because this is crazy was that he was being chirped at from both dugouts that like he had taken because you know there's even with the crowd noise being piped in the umpires can hear like everything that's being said way more now than they could before just like the players can and neither dugout was happy with the zone he was calling and so he was kind of hearing it from both sides and he just lost his temper at Wilson Contreras and just had a short hook for him and if that's the case dude you need to be better better than that if you're going to be a major league umpire you have to have a thicker skin than that like you're gonna hear stuff it's just the nature of the season and I I was personally just like furious about it because it seems to me like that hook is always shorter for intense players who are latin latin or latino or for intense players who are black that hook is always shorter for some people in the league it's it's always longer for white players and I was just like I don't know it was just infuriating to me and I'm not saying that it was like a consciously racist thing but the idea that Wilson Contreras just needs to calm down and be calmer and have better control of his emotions plays into so many tropes about what we hear about black and brown players and what they've been telling us in the current environment that I it was just infuriating I I'm still mad about it I can't even gather my thoughts appropriately (laughs) (laughs) well you're good because listen I have to say that that is one thing um that is very noticeable about me and you know people oftentimes will say it's because I'm Hispanic that I do have a temper and that is true and I have kind of learned to harness it a little bit in my older age because it does get ugly very quickly if I don't. And it's funny because that is definitely, I feel like more of a stereotype for Hispanic Latino culture that they are, they're very quick on, on the temper. And you, you sometimes wonder if that's what, like, if that's the thought process that happens on the field. And, you know, I I don't know. It, It just, to me, it seems so, um, it seems so he he seems very what's the word I'm looking for? He seems very um I lost my train of thought on this. I 
you, you just feel like he feels very unprepared or very um, new. Like he's, he's new at this. Like this is a, a new thing he had to, he had to do that quickly to kind of make a name for himself. And even though, like you said, with both dugouts chirping at him, you know, that was starting to work at him a little bit and he had to come back and show his power and show that he can take control of the game at any t- point in time. And to me, that is just not the way that you umpire An umpire is a piece of furniture. You know what I mean? It's like something right. that, it's just there. It's not something, you know, that it's about, but it's just somebody, something that's there. So I definitely, you know, I really hope that this doesn't be this. It's not the start of this again, because I feel like we went through this last season too, where there was quite a few big games or big moments where it became the umpire show and they, you know, took every opportunity they could to make it about them and their calls and how they were controlling and manipulating the game and I really hope it doesn't turn into that. And I, you know, if if this is somebody that we should be watching for for future instances of this, and and if there is a consistent target or a consistent, you know, type that is thrown out quickly, this it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I I think we can leave it at that. I I mean, you can go watch the ejection. The video is available. I just I think it was a terrible call, and I think I wish I knew what had happened in that moment and why Timmons felt like he needed to make his point ejecting the catcher. It did lead to a really interesting thing, uh, which I I, I do want to talk about, which is that, so Victor Caratini was already in the game as the designated hitter and the Cubs did have another option there. They could have had Josh Begley come in and catch for Wilson Contreras, but Ross decided to instead move Caratini to the catching spot from the DH spot. And that means the Cubs lost their DH. So pitchers were hitting in this game, (laughs) which for those of you who said you would never get to see a pitcher hit again, David Ross has your back. I love it. I absolutely love it. (laughs) I thought you would like that. I know that you wanted to see pitchers hit and I I was amused by that. It also meant that Kyle Schwarber got to come in and pinch hit for one of the pitchers late late in the game, which that was pretty fantastic. Yes, which I didn't realize that he was sitting because he, when he got hit yesterday that he had kind of a bruised knee. So that was, I didn't know that until he came up to bat and they were talking about it. So, but hopefully he'll be fine for this next series with Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm sure he will be. Um, before we move in to talking about that Milwaukee series, which we are definitely going to do on the flip side, Andy, you had some news about the Cardinals who, <laughs> okay, the Cardinals have not played for 14, 15 15 days, y'all. 15 days. Uh, They have played five games total. The Cubs have played 15 games. There are lots of teams that have played like upwards of 17, 18 games. I think we need to have a conversation about what is going to happen with the Cardinals here because this whole like you get into the playoffs on winning percentage thing is going to be nonsense if the Cardinals only play like 35 games or 40 games. Well, I think before we get that far, we need to talk about when they get to start playing because um, as you and I were discussing pre-recording here, and this is to earmark this Thursday, um, August 12th um, or 13th. Is it the 13th? It's the 13th. I'm so lost. Okay. Sorry. It's Thursday, August 13th. Just time. It's fine. There was a bit of information that went out this morning from John, John Heyman who said that um, it is most likely that the Cardinals game Friday will be postponed. He heard that yet another St. Louis coach tested positive for COVID. Um, And just to kind of give a little bit more reference to that, he had retweeted a post from 
Sports and Aviation, which tracks flights of teams traveling to their opponents. And the St. Louis Cardinals flight on Friday was canceled to um, O'Hare to play the White Sox. So uh, it looks as though Friday's game is going to be postponed, canceled, whatever the, the, the verbiage that is that we're using these days. Um, I don't even understand how we can talk about Saturday at this point um, or Sunday or even a series against the Cubs next week. I think the Cardinals need to figure out who is positive, who is not, get everybody in a place where they are completely quarantined. I hear this is what they're doing already as of this week. Um, but, I mean, who who actually knows that at this point in time? And to have people keep popping up as positives is just very alarming to me because you're putting them on a field with another team who has done everything right who are not necessarily everything right, but has done things right in order to be on the field. And it's just, you know, I, I'm sure you guys are getting tired of hearing me say the same things over and over again, but it still pertains. This is still a situation where you still have positives popping up. You cannot even plan to play yet. You need to get your team in check. You need to get the virus in check within your team. And there should, you know, the games should be the last of the concern right now, but I just don't see how they can even qualify for playoffs with the amount of games that they're going to end up playing because Lord knows it's not going to be close. It's not going to be close to the amount of games that everybody else has played. And I, I mean, if it is, if they do figure out a way to get it all crammed in, I mean, they're going to be a shell of a team. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what this, what the solution is to this, but I can tell you it's not going by winning percentage. Yeah, there's a bunch of implications here. So one, the schedule already had some inequities in it. If you if you look at it closely, you'll notice that like some teams play the Pirates more, some teams play the Reds more. Um, it's not entirely balanced in terms of like home away splits. So like you might have more games against Cincinnati in Cincinnati than you have against Cincinnati in Chicago. So those types of things were already built into the schedule in ways that weren't perfectly balanced. But at this point, like, who would the Cardinals play in those shortened games? Do they have to play the Cubs? Do they get to play the Royals? Like, who who are they playing? Like, I think that matters a lot. I think it also matters who is on the field, right? Like, there are some competitive reasons here. And, I mean, Andy, you mentioned before the show that Mr. Andy was pointing out that if the Cubs had played the Cardinals taxi squad, like they were supposed to. So if you have this like super hot Cubs team playing like the beast, like the Cardinals minor league system, admittedly devil bird magic, that could be dangerous and we might lose all of those games, but it seems like that's a, you know, advantage Cubs that never happened for whatever reason. Um, so there have, I, I don't know how you do this. And then there's also going to be wear and tear on players for having so many double headers that they have to play. And I, I, I clearly don't want anybody to get hurt because they haven't played in two weeks and they're not ready to pitch five innings and they're not ready to play, you know, five doubleheaders in a row. So I, I don't know what the league is going to do here, but it doesn't seem like they know what they're going to do either. It seems like there is no plan. The Cardinals are just in stasis. Yeah, quite frankly, I've said all I need to say about the Cardinals. I'm kind of tired of talking about them. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's new news almost daily about their situation and how it's evolving. But until they can get their team in check and get their positives in check, I just don't even see how you can discuss them being an option as a playoff team. Um, I think 
and and same with Cleveland. You know, the same situation with two players. I think that should be suspended. They knowingly and um, without any issues went out and endangered a bunch of their teammates, and um, you know did so. You know, there's guys that are pissed on that roster. They are mad. The guy that pitched against us in the opening game, I'm drawing a blank on his name, um, but he came out and basically. Uh- Adam Plutko. Yes, thank you. He came out and said, you know, these guys betrayed our trust. They lied to us. They told you guys a bunch of stuff that wasn't true, that they didn't follow through on. You know, things like that where you're knowingly going out and endangering people other than yourself, um, there should be other repercussions for. I mean, they should be suspended. There should be some, some issue there. Now, the problem with that, too, is you're also punishing your teammates again because, you know, obviously they're two um, good pitchers and pitchers you want to see in the rotation on a regular basis if you want to win games. But, you know, I mean, I just don't know how else to say these are grown people like (laughs) behave as such, you know, it's just, it's infuriating to me. I mean, Plutko said that in a, in his post game remarks that it really hurt Cleveland as a team to lose these two players and that, um they were i believe his exact wording was grown a word we don't use on this podcast men <laughs> i think did i i think i used that word didn't i use it the other day <laughs> you might have i think you were i think you were close i i don't remember if you used the exact word or not um but yeah i, I definitely remember you saying these are grown men get it together <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i've definitely used that phrase many of times maybe not on this podcast but I mean, these are people that are adult men playing a sport as a profession. They should have it enough together to understand what their action, what their actions could possibly create for them. And it's just ridiculous to me. And I'm, I want to just be clear here. I'm not necessarily referencing the Cardinals. I'm more referencing the the Indians right now because, it, you know, there has been rumors and we've addressed them here that there were some Cardinals that act, acted inappropriately for what they should be doing in a pandemic. But like I said, I'm not necessarily referencing them. I'm more referencing the folks, the two gentlemen that were caught on the, on the Indians um, and who actually confessed and and made a statement regarding such. So I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Pandemic baseball, y'all. It is a wild ride. Um, But the Cubs still seem to be rolling just fine. They have four games coming up against the Brewers at Wrigley Field. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we're going to tell you everything you need to know about this upcoming Cubs-Brewers series uh, over the weekend. But first, a quick break. All right. We are back. The Cubs are on their way home, are already home, should be home soon. Uh, And they are facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers tonight um let's just start with the standings andy what do you see in the nl central right now as the cubs have like get this this was projected to be the closest division in baseball the cubs have a five and a half game lead a quarter of the way through the season uh they have a 12 and 3 record the next closest team is the reds at 8 and 10 the brewers are 7 and 9 um no other team is above 500 in this division what do we, I, the Brewers could make up some ground here though with a four game series at Wrigley. What do you see, Andy? So, okay, first of all, I have heard many, many um, blue check marks say that the NL Central is by far the toughest division in baseball. 
you know, it's hard to even say that now. It's hard to say that looking around a little bit. And, you know, we kind of discussed this a little bit. And I don't think it was on this podcast. I think it was when we were on a guest of another podcast. But we kind of discussed how how these teams coming out of the gate would affect the standings and would affect um, how people perceive this division. Because I think this is exactly what's happening right now. I think the the Cubs have just fired out of the gate. I mean, 12 and 3, we have the best record in Major League Baseball. You look at the other teams who are supposed to have, on paper, a ton of talent, which they do. Nobody just wants to show up, and some people just don't even want to play at all because they keep getting sick. But you look at the the teams, and, and I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, obviously. I don't mean that. But, um, of course, the Cardinals want to play. Um, you know, Cincinnati, who is a team that people a lot of people pick to win this division, are just – I mean, there's some bright spots. There's some definite bright spots in there, some – former Cubs that are tearing it up for Cincinnati. Um, but they just can't get <laughs> it together. Yeah, exactly. You know who I'm talking about people. Um, they just can't get it together in, in, in the form of wins, you know, I mean, they're eight and 10. It's, you know, it's rough. I mean, looking at their the standings and their, the last five, the last 10 that they've played, it's home away. It's like, ouch. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where this division is at if they're just not awake yet. And honestly, that's fine. Like uh, if, if we can hold some sort of lead, at least, you know, this amount of games, maybe even a couple less just to put a little pressure. I, I don't mind it. I honestly don't mind it. I like that we came out hot and we're like basically staying there for the time being. It doesn't look like anybody is really going to make a push, but you know, we, we have four against Milwaukee. If they have a good series against us, like you said, they could make some headway, but I, you know, this division is just, it's crazy. It's not at all what I thought it would be, but it's definitely in our favor and I'll take it. Yeah, totally. Um, let's look a little bit closer at the Brewers. I sort of went in and did a look at their stats and, you know, there's, there haven't been that many games. So I looked at both, um, their stats overall and their stats in the last two weeks, I will say this, a couple of their players have gotten hot in the last two weeks who have, who were ice cold to start the season. Looking at you, Christian Yelich, who started out the season really not playing all that well, but in the last two weeks, he has three home runs. His WRC plus is up to 171. So the Cubs are going to need to be a lot more careful about how they pitch to Christian Yelich. Um, this time, this go around, they got away with a lot against him last time you know this team also lost Lorenzo Kane since the last time the Cubs saw them he has opted out of the season because of COVID-19 and the other player who looks like they've had a pretty good couple of weeks is Keston Hira who's um, got a WRC plus of 116 he has three home runs in that time period but frankly the rest of this lineup looks like they're kind of scuffling over the last couple of weeks nobody was- has a WRC plus over 100 in the last two weeks yeah, I was gonna say Harrow's really the only one that um the only one that worries me. He seems to always do really well against Cubs pitching, no matter who it is. Um, I will say though that with the numbers that you just gave on Christian Yelich, he still was only three for ten against um Minnesota. So that series might have cooled him off a little bit. He um he only has ten hits on the season. Like to me, that just seems like very un Christian Yelich like. So my yeah. whole thing is I kind of wanted to frame this in a way as we know that he, this is not the player he is. He's obviously a very good baseball player. I just don't want him to figure that out the next four games. Like, <laughs> same, same. Let's just get him in and out of Chicago. 
and and then maybe on Monday he can figure it out. I just I I don't want to <laughs> see him any have have him have any kind of series against the Chicago Cubs. And quite frankly, I really like the approach that they had against him the first series that we played um against Milwaukee and he did not he did, he had one two run home run against us and went like one for I don't know 14 or something crazy against us the first series we played so if we can do that again even just something close he is a very high caliber baseball player he is somebody that is elite he's going to come out eventually one of these days and figure out that he is and and have and start to turn his numbers up um but I think with our pitching approach and, and how we've been able to kind of calm down lineups and, and take, you know, some of these heady, heavy hitters away from their game and their approach. I think that could be really effective against him. I will say as much as I, I don't like Lorenzo Cain because he's good and he's got that swag that I love. And, you know, I would probably like him if he was a cub. I right. am extremely, I don't want to say, I'm not glad that he decided to, um, to opt out of the rest of the season. That's definitely a choice he had to make for he, him and his family and good on him for doing that, making that choice. That could not have been easy. I'm sure that was something that ate him up. Um, but he is also a cub killer. You know, he's somebody that does well against the Cubs and I hate looking at his smirk when he does. <laughs> so I am totally fine with Milwaukee, not having Lorenzo Kane for the series that kind of, you know, that, that takes another little weight off of our shoulders. So um, yeah, I really love the way that this series is going to shape out as far as the Cubs coming in hot and, um, Milwaukee just got thrashed yesterday by the twins 12 to two. So, you know, I mean, like I've always said, everybody always plays their best against the Cubs. I feel like everybody turns it on to another level and you know, the Brewers are going to be no different. They love to call us their biggest rivals. So let's, I just hope that they come out and I mean, it's at Wrigley. So that's already in our favor because you know, it's the home field and, you know, these guys are going to be totally jacked up for a division rival and, you know, somebody that we can knock down a little bit further in the standings if we have a good series. Yeah, I absolutely love all of that. Before we get to probable pitchers, I want to talk about the Cubs bats because over the season, uh, we've been talking about the same guys as being hot most of the time, Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, but there's been a little bit of a switch that flipped here um, between the last couple of weeks and some new guys are stepping up and really putting up some big numbers. So Chris Bryant has turned it around. I'm hoping that whatever he did to his wrist on that catch last night was nothing. He had a home run after that. So I'm assuming he's okay. But um, Chris Bryant has a WRC plus of 167 over the last two weeks. He has two home runs in that time period. Ian Happ, man, Ian Happ has been one of the best players in baseball since he came back to join the Cubs last September. And honestly, y'all need to keep an eye on this guy. In the last two weeks, he is slashing 370, 528, 593 with a WRC plus of 205. Ian Happ is on fire, on fire, y'all. And our friend Jason Hayward is quietly putting up some power. It didn't hurt that he got a couple of home runs um, over the last couple of weeks, but he is batting 300, 333, 533 right now. So keep an eye on Jason Hayward. I have to say, I, I was trying to find this tweet very quickly, but a blue check mark tweeted this today that um, the Cubs right now, on, on average, are taking over four pitches in at bat, which is ginormous. Like, if you think about at bats and how that averages out, I mean, and, and the reason why I bring this up is Ian Happ has become so selective at the plate, like big league 
veteran. I've been doing this for a very long time, selective at the plate. And that is so amazing to see because that was definitely part of his game that needed improvement. And he worked very hard to get that to where it is now. So to see him go up there and take so many pitches and be so selective and and make solid contact when he does, it's just so impressive. And he has really figured things out, you know, I mean, and I feel like it's just going to even go up from here. I honestly, and I, I will say this a million times this year. He, I think is probably one of the players that is benefiting the most from David Ross as the manager. David Ross is somebody that's going to let Ian Happ be his silly self, but also encourage him where he needs to be encouraged and kind of micromanage him because I feel like Ian Happ might be somebody that needs that. And he's, he's really, he's shown, he's shown on the defensive side, he looks a lot better just at the plate. I just can't get over his pitch selection and how he has really learned to watch that high and outside that he was so bad at swinging at all the time. I mean, and his zone is just, he's, you know, anything in his zone is, is, is looking like a beach ball to him. And that is such great news because he's definitely somebody that you want going out there and making solid contact on the regular, somebody you can depend on in situations where you need, you know, you need something. He's definitely going to be the one that you want to see up there. So I would not be surprised if we don't see a ton of Elmora from here on out, because, you know, it, it, Ross has already shown us if it's not broken, he's not going to fix it. If this is winning him games, he's going to stick with it. And I love that. I love the whole idea behind that. And I love that Ian Happ has become part of that. Yeah, I agree. I like that Ross is willing to stick with the hot hands too. Um, to illustrate what you were talking about a little bit with Ian Happ in particular, you know, the big problem with him that people identified in 2017 and 2018 was he just struck out a lot. He had a K percentage of, over 30% in both of those seasons. It was 36.1% in 2018. That is why he spent most of 2019 down in AAA trying to work on that. When he came back, he was still striking out at a 25% clip, but that is down this year to 22.6%. His walk rate is actually up to 18.9%, which is outstanding. So I totally agree with you that Ian Happ has changed his approach at the plate. And as a result, he is getting a lot of pitches to hit and he's not swinging at the bad ones. So I'd like to see him keep that up and Almora is a defensive replacement at this point in time. And and I'm okay with that. I, I mean, maybe, you know, in a 162 game season, you try to get him some more looks, you try to get him some more at bats so that he can start working on whatever's wrong there, but it's a 60 game season. And right now he's a defensive replacement and that's fine. I mean, and that's all that we've seen from him too, which is insane. But I mean, you know, at the same time, you have the, you have the guys that are just hitting too well that you can't take out of the lineup. Totally. 100% agree. Um, let's look at these starting pitcher matchups. For for once, we have all four of them, which, yay. Go, <laughs> go Brewers and Cubs. We actually know who's going to pitch these games. I'm sure something will change between now and whenever you're listening to this, just because I said that. Thursday night's game tonight uh, should be Brett Anderson against you, Darvish. Saturday's game should be Brandon Woodruff against Tyler Chatwood. Sunday's game, or, or sorry, that was Friday's game. Saturday's game should be Adrian Hauser versus Alec Mills. And Sunday's game should be Josh Lindblom versus John Lester. Um, can I also just point out that Tyler Chatwood is leading the Cubs in strikeouts right now? He has 23 on the season and Darvish has 16. And none of you predicted that going into the season. I certainly did not. <laughs> I mean, but we hoped for it. I mean, we, <laughs> we desperately hoped for this Tyler Chatwood to show up. 
I mean, he's just been so amazing to watch. And what a comeback trail this guy has had as a Chicago Cub. I love it. And honestly, you know, I was going to (laughs) say, I was waiting for you to ask me what I thought about these matchups. And I was going to say, honestly... (laughs) If the, if the offense keeps going the way that it's going, it's not going to matter. <laughs> sorry. I, I'm sorry. That was really bad, and I should not talk like that because Lord knows it's always it always comes back to bite me in the butt. So do not blame it on me if they don't, if they don't do well. That was I was I was joking. I didn't mean it. I take it back. <laughs> yeah, no, Andy, you got to, like, baseball, get a baseball. So you, you got to, like, step back a tiny bit there. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I don't believe in curses though. So it's fine. <laughs> um, no, I, th- there are some interesting matchups here. I mean, I, all of these pitchers have struggled at some point in time. The only pitcher on the Cubs who really hasn't struggled at all is John Lester. And that 1.06 ERA looks outstanding, but I promise y'all it is not going to stay that way <laughs> through the entire season. If these guys come with what they've been doing on the days where they've had success though, I really just don't see how, It's going to be a rough weekend for the Brewers. I mean, this team has been, the starting pitching for this team has been so good. Oh, I I mean, yes, totally. And, you know, and and looking at, I'm just looking at the matchup for um, tonight's game with Brett Anderson um, as the starter for Milwaukee. And, you know, I love how Brett Anderson, former Cub Brett Anderson. Sorry, Andy. No, it's okay. I actually know somebody somewhere in the St. Louis area who's a Cubs fan who is going nuts right now because he absolutely hates Brett Anderson. But anyways, um, I I think it's very cool. And I'm just looking at this because we have not mentioned Jason Kipnis at all. And that dude has been raking as well. He has, I mean, been amazing at the plate. And I'm looking at matchups against tonight, um, Brett Anderson for Milwaukee. And like Chris Bryant is batting a 6-6-7 against him, only three at-bats, but still. Jason Hayward has a 286 against Brett Anderson, and he's had seven at-bats. So look for Jason Hayward to do well again tonight. I love stuff like that to me because he is somebody that we don't come to rely on offensively. It's nice if he does something, but he is, in all honesty, he is one of the best outfielders in the league. So that's why he is in this lineup. He's not a huge offensive bat for us. So if he can continue to get, you know, a hit here and there, big hits here and there, situational, three run home runs. I mean, hello, this would be amazing. So I am, I'm super excited. Jason Kipnis, I mentioned him because he's had three at bats against Brett Anderson and he's batting 333. So we'll, we'll have to watch and see if he's another bat that's in this lineup tonight, but I'm just, I'm really excited for this series. I love, um, I love playing Milwaukee for the simple fact that like, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to wake the bear, so I'm not even going to go there, but I just love to play Milwaukee because I like, I like the banter that we have with some of their fans and, and, and what we're able to say after the fact, we'll just, we'll just say that. We'll just leave that there. <laughs> I love that. Um, You know what? Jason Kipnis was not on my original run of fan data because he didn't quite have 20 plate appearances, but I just reran it to take a look at exactly what you're talking about. I, First off, I love how David Ross has been handling the platoon at second base. Um, he's playing the hot hand. He's making sure that the guys who are really getting it done are getting the at-bats. And Jason Kipnis has certainly been that dude for the last few games. Uh, over the last two weeks, he has played in five games. He has 18 plate appearances. So, you know, take these numbers with a hefty dose of small sample size. But 
He's slashing 357, 500, 929. <laughs> and Kipnis has certainly been hot. So I would imagine he's going to get a start or two or maybe even three in this series against Milwaukee. Yeah, which makes me sad, too, because you really love to see Nico Horner get back in there and do what he's been doing. And you hate to see either of those two sit for any amount of time because they're both they both were just riding hot bats and and defensively, you know, Kipnis is definitely not a Nico Horner, but he's you know he's held his own out there. And when you're hot like that at the plate, you you want to keep his bat in the lineup, and it's been hard to do that because they're both hot at the plate. So you know you can't go wrong at second base for us right now. Obviously, the one is a little bit stronger defensively, but. I mean, that we really haven't seen the repercussions of that at all. So either way, you can't go wrong. I totally agree. Um, one other thing that I am just keeping an eye on for this Cubs series against the Brewers, we're definitely um, going to want to see how this team handles coming back and knowing, or I should say not knowing what is coming next. I mean, they're supposed to play the Cardinals on Monday and it just doesn't seem readily apparent to me that that series is going to happen. I don't think anybody knows if that's if that series is going to happen. So, they're going to play these four games without really knowing what happens next week and I think that that's a mental game that the Cubs are just going to have to be on top of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think th- I think they've probably worked this whole thought process of one game at a time into how they approach these things. And I mean, there, you really can't approach it any other way, especially with pandemic baseball and, and, you know, looking at your next opponent, I think they're probably just really honed in on the series against Milwaukee and whatever happens happens. You know, they handled the last series that they were supposed to have with the Cardinals. They handled the off days and coming back out of those off days, they handled it well. So you know, whatever they did, I'm sure David Ross is, he's got it figured out. He seems like he, for, for being a new manager and being in the situation of the season being so different and so, you know, off kilter on, in every aspect, I think he's handled everything quite well. And so I don't imagine much will change as far as their approach or, or how that goes, but you just never know because, you know, like we've, we've said a million times, baseball players are creatures of habit. So you, you want to see them continue to do really well and, you know, and, and keep that momentum going, but I'm sure they'll figure out ways to do that. 100%. However they figure out how to do that, whether it's calling it the all-star break too, like they called the last all-star break, uh, their little layoff when they were supposed to be playing the Cardinals. We will have that news and more here for you at, at cup of cubby blue. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore blue. We are both at Cup of Cubby Blue, and we are thrilled to be watching a red-hot Chicago Cubs team during this wild pandemic baseball season. Till next time, bye.